Welcome to Sedated Man, episode 37. This is part two of a two-part series, How to Find Your Backbone After a Miserable Divorce, part two. Can I remarry? Now, I know a lot of guys really struggle with this. We talked a lot last week about, you know, how divorce can lead to sedation and it can make you feel pretty pathetic, like there's just no point. And I said we'd deep dive into the subject of can I remarry because I know there's a lot of guys who who beat themselves up, uh, maybe due to their poor performance in the marriage, or beat themselves up because uh, the spouse had some poor performance in the marriage and now they feel like they just weren't worth it. Um, there are men who, you know, look at scripture and they're like, oh my, my goodness, I'm, I'm just stuck. You know, I can't do anything now. <clears throat> and then other men who will leave a church because they just can't make the subject uh, level out for them in their own lives and they feel what's the point, And so they leave. So, and then yet other men who just never leave the house as a result. So what I really wanted to talk about today, there are churches as well who will beat these guys up too. So what I want to do today, I want to go over, can I remarry? Now let's get the obvious part out of the way. I am remarried. Okay, so obviously I don't have a problem with remarrying after divorce. Now, <clears throat> now to be perfectly honest, my first marriage, uh, my, my ex had multiple affairs. And so a number of you might understand that scripturally speaking, if you are law-driven, scripturally speaking, then obviously that releases me. My second marriage, which I don't always talk about, but I'm, I want you guys to understand that there's a lot of people who struggle with this. Um, my second one was, I was, it lasted two and a half months. And my wife at the time decided that, uh, she didn't like being married and she left me and left the church. And we'll talk about, you know, talk about that in a little bit. Now this marriage, I made some pretty poor choices on those first two marriages too, as far as picking people, I guess you could say. This marriage has lasted 23 years and will last many, many more because we have knuckled down the entire marriage on how to make this work and work correctly. So what I want to leave you with today is not why you should be able to remarry. What I want to do is I want to give you enough information and cause enough thought within you that you can make that choice yourself that you're not dependent on me, but you have enough information that you can then go and check it for yourselves and decide for yourselves, can I remarry? Is it good for my family? Is it going to work? And, and whatever comes with that. Okay. So starting with that, Ephesians 5, verse 24. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also wives ought to be to their husbands and everything. And I want to stop there for a second. This subject is very much, or the subject of can I remarry is very much uh, handled in a similar fashion that whether a wife should submit or not is handled. So what does this have to do with it? I'm giving you an example. So verse 24, but as a church is subject to Christ, so also wives ought to be to their husbands and everything. A lot of churches and a lot of men will stop right there. They've heard enough. But they're missing the whole picture. Okay. So let's continue to read in verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, so they might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be made holy and blameless, so husbands ought also to love their wives as their own bodies. 
He who loves his own wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church. So the point here is, <clears throat> he paints a picture of ultimate sacrifice by the, by the man for his wife. But if you only stop in verse 24, you've missed the point. You've gotten an answer that is not complete. So a lot of, you know, you want to make the point that it's just not about convenience. You don't get to stop there just because it's convenient for you to stop there. You have to get the whole picture. To get a good picture, you've got to read the other verses. So a lot of people want to step in, and these are usually married people, <clears throat> uh, and they want to step in and tell you, oh, sorry, uh, if you just left or if she just left, uh, you're screwed. Uh, you can't remarry. And they stop there. But that's not all the information. And so we as men... We don't like being told what to do. Even the men who are somewhat laid back, you know, there's a certain point that a man reaches where he's like, look, you can't tell me what to do here. I, I know how I feel about it. But remember, Scripture is not about feelings. It's about facts. It's about finding what it actually says. All right? In 2 Peter chapter 1, let me turn there in my very real Bible. 2 Peter chapter 1. <clears throat> In verse 20, But know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. So, something to remember. Scripture is not a matter of one's own interpretation. That's why I say it's not about feelings. Scripture must define Scripture. All right, let me repeat that for you. Scripture must define Scripture. You don't just get to go in there and say, oh, hey, I, I think it says this. No, you need to dig in. You need to find the answer. Now, I'm giving you guidance, but you need to double-check what I'm giving you. Never, ever take somebody else's word for something that could hinder, help, or otherwise your salvation. Take responsibility. So not one, not one's own interpretation. Another thing to keep in mind is Hebrews. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 9. Remember, context of a conversation makes a huge difference. <clears throat> in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 16, For where a covenant is, there must of necessity be the death of the one who made it. For a covenant is valid only when men are dead, for it is never in force while the one who made it lives. Context of the conversation. When you're discussing something, <clears throat> between Old and New Testament, all right? Are we under Old Covenant or are we under New Covenant? Because understand that until Christ died, the New Covenant did not come to be. Because it says it right here, for a covenant is valid only when men are dead, for it is never enforced while the one who made it lives. That's why Jesus was a Jew. Because Christianity didn't come till after he died. He was abiding by Old Testament rule. Now, he was absolutely paving the way, and I'm not questioning that. That's not what we're getting into here. These are things you've got to think about when having a discussion about any particular subject. Remember, if we are New Testament Christians, then yes, the Old Testament absolutely has a place in our lives, but make sure that we're, that we're defining things by what Christ defined for us in the New Testament and applying Old Testament as it has application. Because you need to know which covenant do you live under? 
What are we discussing? Are we discussing something that it matters if we're talking old covenant or new covenant? Are we allowing scripture to define itself? Okay, those are the things I want you to remember. Now in Galatians chapter 5, let me get rid of my little note here. In Galatians chapter 5, in verse 18, it says, But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, what does that got to do with anything? All right, we're still talking context here. Obviously, if we're not under law and we're under the Spirit as Christians, that's going to affect how we live differently than it affected the Jews. The Jews lived by law because they did not have the indwelling presence of the Spirit. As a Christian, if you're going to claim Christianity and you can prove yourself by Christianity, then you are supposed to be led by the Spirit. And if you're led by the Spirit, you are apart from the law. Now, that does not give you uh, a reason to just go out and do whatever you want to do. It doesn't give you free license to just leave your wife. Well, I'm not under the law, so that one doesn't apply anymore. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you need to understand that in Christianity, you are of the Spirit. And that makes a difference when you're figuring things out for what you should do in your life. Because if you are law-driven, <clears throat> you are not living true Christianity. If you're making a dividing line in the sand strictly because you can't think for yourself enough to find out what the answer is because it's easier, that is not biblical Christianity in the New Testament. Christ wanted people who followed because they wanted to, not because they had to. Something to think about is if the Jewish law, this is a side note, I'll give you this for free. <clears throat> if the Jews had actually followed the law, would it have worked? Well, anything the Lord puts in place is perfect. Yes, it would have worked. The problem with the Jews was that they had hard hearts. They were difficult people. They chose not to follow it constantly. Constantly. So he wanted a people that would choose to follow, a people who would choose to step in, step up, and get out there and get the work done. Which is why, if you're led by the Spirit, you're apart from the law. In Romans 6.14... Romans 6, 14, for sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. So now we know that we're not under the law, but under grace. Now, does that mean that the law never applies? No. No, you still don't commit murder. You still don't do those things. But remember that the law was a tutor to lead you to Christ. Do not dictate everything you do by law because the law led you to Christ. Law should not keep you in Christ. Grace keeps you in Christ. Why does that matter to how can I remarry? It makes a huge difference as to whether you can remarry because you need to know who you are in Christ before you can make that determination. And if you are fuzzy, if you are living a Christianity that is not true Christianity, you cannot make a proper choice in that. You cannot apply proper resources. Start with a false premise and you're guaranteed a false conclusion. So what's being taught then? Let's talk about that for a minute. In uh, Matthew 19.8, Jesus says that you know Moses permitted divorce uh, even though it hadn't been that way from the beginning, right? That, uh, that it was because of the hardness of the, the Jews' hearts that he allowed it. And I mean, can you picture Moses, the poor guy, before his father-in-law advised him that, hey, you need to delegate some of this stuff out, the poor guy was getting hammered day and night with problems. 
And so I'm sure that allowing a certificate of divorce because he had a bunch of un- unhappy Jews was was probably just a, a good way to get him out of his hair. I don't think he was trying to dishonor God. I think he was trying to honor God by trying to get the job done that God had given him to do. So keep that in mind. In Matthew 5, verse 32, divorce is allowed for sexual immorality. Now, I don't think anybody argues with that. We get a lot of that in the churches. If you're if your spouse is is an adulterer, sexually immoral, been going out on you cheating, then by all means you can you can divorce them and be free. All right. Now, the other thing that lets you out is death. First Corinthians seven thirty nine says death is allowed to separate a marriage. So we've got sexual immorality and we've got death, all right, which are both part of what? Part of the law, right? Now, yes, they were repeated in the New Testament, but there was something added in the New Testament that a lot of people will go straight to or they'll gloss over. Because nobody's, as far as I can tell, a lot of people are still uncertain how they feel about it because the law portion of this is so much easier to follow. Why would a person continue to follow law after they become a Christian? Because it's easy, because there's no thought involved. Like, okay, do not taste, do not touch, do not, do not smell. I mean, those are all easy. We don't have to put any thought into those. But Christians are supposed to be thinking people. We are thinking men. If we're going to claim Christianity, and if we truly have the Holy Spirit, which only each of us can answer according to Scripture, then we must be able to know that. Now, in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 7, verses 12 through 16, it talks about being yoked. I'll use the word yoked. That's my big word for the day, yoked. I'll use the word yoked. Uh, being yoked to an unbeliever, did they fall away? Okay, so this is where 1 Corinthians, let me go there. First Corinthians chapter 7, verse 12. But to the rest I say, not the Lord, that if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever and she consents to live with him, he must not divorce her. And a woman who has an unbelieving husband and he consents to live with her, she must not send her husband away. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified through his wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified through her believing husband. For otherwise your children are unclean, but now they are holy. Yet if unbelieving, yet if the unbelieving one leaves, let him leave. The brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God has called us to peace. For how do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? So, we now know that unbelief is also grounds to break that contract. So, things I want you to ask yourself. Perhaps you came into the church, perhaps you are divorced and you only recently became a Christian. Can I remarry? Let me point something out that I think a lot of Christians forget. If you were not a Christian prior, then Christian rules didn't apply to you. Let me repeat that. If you were not a Christian prior, then Christian rules did not apply to you. Now, yes, God honors marriage. God loves marriage. It's a representation of Christ and his bride. Okay? So, Scripture also says, come in the way in which you are. All right? So, come into the kingdom as you are. So, 
if the rules didn't, uh, so if you were not a Christian and you were divorced prior to marriage or prior to becoming, sorry, let me back up. If you were married and divorced and then became a Christian, you came as you were. Can you remarry? Well, if you were not a Christian before, then you really have to weigh whether those rules applied to you as a non-Christian. Because we as Christians, of course, we have our times when we like to tell people, hey, you shouldn't be doing that. But if they're not Christians, they are not obligated to follow those things. When you become a Christian, you follow out of want and desire to do so and a call to a higher purpose, not because you have to. So, was it before your Christianity? Did the rules apply to you? Now, some people would tell you, well, you were married. Marriage is an institute of God. All right, marriage has been smeared across this planet. Marriage is still a hallowed thing within the pages of Scripture and within true Christian communities. Catch that? True Christian communities. The thing to keep in mind is that the world has eschewed it, has just taken it completely off the map as a normal thing, and now it even questions why it's necessary. That is not the marriage that God instituted. The marriage that God instituted is in Scripture. Get in there, dig in there, and find out if yours was a scriptural marriage. So ultimately, I want you to think about this too. Can the Lord forgive your sin? See, there are so many things here that you need to consider. To say that you cannot do something, there better be a pretty definite and defining reason for that. Can the Lord forgive your sin? See, these are questions that you have to answer for yourself within Scripture. Are we trying to force ourselves under law or are we living by grace? Do we understand the context of our lives as Christian men? Do we understand what Scripture has to say about us if we are divorced, if we want to be remarried? Are we just destined to wander the earth alone because our spouse left us? Those answers are in there. You know, when Scripture says, for the man who knows the right thing to do and does not do it to him, it is sin. So that means there could be a sin for me that is not a sin for you. There could be a sin for my neighbor who's a sin for him that is not a sin for me, which means there's some individual thought involved, which means there's some individual action involved, which means you need to get off your butt and go make those decisions happen. Make the choice. Prayer. And then pray believing. How's your prayer life? How's your, how's your, your life with your kids? How's your life with your parents? How, how, what is your attitude like? Do not be defined by your divorce. Be defined as a Christian male and find the answers. Look to marriages that you respect and you see great fruit and ask the hard questions. Don't just say, hey, Mike said. No. Mike is saying, here's the scriptures. Get in there and find the answers. Can I remarry? I, actually, I believe for myself that absolutely I could remarry, yes. I make no apologies for that, and anybody who disagrees with me, that is perfectly okay. I appreciate your disagreement, and I appreciate the fact that you have the right uh, and the conviction to do so. This is my conviction. I believe that more people can remarry than the church thinks can. That's my conviction. 
You've got to draw your own lines. Got to draw your own lines. And I hope that this has helped guide your steps. Now, if this is your first time listening to us, I want to thank you for being here. If you've continued to listen, thank you for continuing to listen. If you know somebody who this can help, please share the podcast. Now, if you'd like the show notes for this podcast, you can find those on patreon.com slash the sedated man. All the scripture references are there, as well as links from prior podcasts for for uh, for materials that will help you uh, as far as proving the Bible's word of God and and uh, way of salvation. There's a lot of links there. Go take a look at them. Uh, if you are watching us on one of our live platforms, you can also find us on our podcast platform, which is anchor.fm iTunes, Pocket Casts, Overcast, Radio Public, CastBox, Breaker, and Spotify. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. You can also reach me directly, Mike at the sedatedman.com. That's Mike at the sedatedman.com. Any questions that you have, please feel free to send them to me. I'm also available for public speaking, whether your event's large or small. I'm totally okay with it. We can we will talk about Biblical manhood, biblical masculinity. That's what we're going for here. Also, I'm available for mentoring. And uh, and once again, any, any emails I get, I answer them all. Please feel free. You guys have a great day.